Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Tonight, it is our baby boomer night coming up after 1015. Mallory and Mark will join me, but you can join us too. If you're a baby boomer and want to uh, join in with your thoughts, your questions, whatever, at 514-800, please do so. We're going to talk about TV in the bedroom or not, a follow-up to yesterday's uh, discussion, but somebody wanted me to ask from a boomer perspective uh, if that's good or not. We'll talk about whether your sex life has improved, has gone down or stayed the same during the pandemic and uh, whatever else comes up, which we never quite know what we're going to talk about, but that's okay. We always have something uh, to talk about. That's after 10.15. But first, let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. All right. I want to start off the evening with a poem and uh, from the passion poet who is Mark, by the way, who's also the baby boomer panelist. I'm just outing him right now. A new era has started. We are over a bad hump. Which one was the worst, COVID-19 or Donald Trump? One was voted out. Vaccine will destroy the other. Families will come together, parents, sisters, and brothers. But tonight, an older man and two sexy, mature cougars, the three of us are known as passion's baby boomers, weigh in with a comment we do not know it all. If you have something to say, just give Lori a call. Oh, that's a good, that, we should say that at the beginning of every Boomer show. That's kind of fun. All right, I have a text here from last night. Last night, somebody wrote in about um, not lasting too long, so a bit of premature ejaculation. I didn't have a chance to read this one, but I thought it's so pertinent and so good. I've listened to your show over the years. I might have something positive to say for men who suffer from premature ejaculation. In my sexual heyday many years ago, I would have been delighted to have a lover who didn't have lasting power. That is not how I orgasmed. I loved foreplay, but the actual intercourse was all about the man, not me. And you say this, and a lot of women will echo this, and I try to you know, when I talk to men who have premature ejaculation and not even premature, who just think that they need to last like 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour, I tell them that's not what most women really want. And another line I use is that I believe premature ejaculators actually make better lovers because, because they know that it doesn't last too long. They spend far more time on foreplay, on oral sex, manual stimulation, all of that. So they end up really giving the women what they really want, which is all of that, uh, all of that foreplay. So, um, like, you know, take that (laughs) for you, for you premature ejaculators, not to worry so much. Okay. Uh, okay. Dr. uh, Ms. Lori, few things I want to say. Today, I worked from home and watched the Biden inauguration. I was brought to tears with both Lady Gaga. I only saw that part, Lady the Lady Gaga. She was phenomenal. And Jennifer Lopez, two very beautiful women with beautiful voices. And I applaud J-Lo for yelling out during her song in Spanish, One Nation Under God, Indivisible with Liberty and Justice for All. Canada and the United States both share a very diverse population. And what we witnessed two weeks ago tells us there are extremists and likely on both sides of the border. I wish Joe Biden well. Uh, and Kamala Kamala Harris well. Some women, some woman messaged in and from what we gathered is rather smitten by a man who does not want to have a, a relationship, a real relationship with her. She needs to move forward regardless of the great sex she says she has with him. 
sex is not everything. And perhaps maybe looking at my side of the fence, she may find what she is really looking for. The poet was criticized for a poem that some women found offensive. Like topics of, of your show, some poems are not for everyone. After all, he is a male with two heads and only enough blood to operate one at a time. But he does have one heart, and he has written a poem or two that have touched mine. So uh, thank you. <laughs> he will be, he is happy to hear that. He's he's listening to me reading this, so he's happy to uh, to hear that. I appreciate that. 514-800, you know, at the beginning of every show, uh, I answer your questions so you can send them in, whether you send them in right now or email them to me to laurie at drlaurie.com. Just know that at the beginning of the shows, I will answer the most pressing questions that come through. So uh, I'm always happy to do that. And after 10, 15, of course, we switch to discussing various topics, but we always love to hear from you. So if you want to join in, uh, by text and uh, send us some of your thoughts, whether they're on the topics we're talking about or so something you want them to talk about or get their perspective on. Even if you're not a baby boomer and you're much younger and you want to know our version, I should say not just them, I'm a baby boomer too. So we can uh, we can certainly talk about that. We're on the younger side of the baby boomers, that's for sure. I'm the youngest of the baby boomers, but uh, nonetheless, we, you know, we've, we've lived, like I can say, you know, we're a little older, uh, old-ish, <laughs> old-ish, we'll call it. Uh, all right, here's a question. Uh, can having sex with a virgin while yourself being a virgin, are you able to get um, chlamydia? So if your partner has engaged in other forms of genital sexuality, like oral sex, for example, then yes, they could have contracted a sexually transmitted infection. But if neither of you have had any sexual contact at all, meaning nothing below the belt, remember that even HPV can be, it's a skin to skin infection. So if uh, you've had some play below the belt involving your skin, then there's a possibility too. Okay. But if there has not been anything, then it is really unlikely that you would get anything. Remember that infections are passed on when you come into contact, most infections with bodily fluids of an infected person. HPV and herpes can be passed on from skin to skin genital contact. So you just need to remember that. Uh, remember too that you can, and people don't know much about this, but people can get an STI in your eye, in your eye. If you touch your eyes after coming into contact with infected bodily fluids, so you've got to make sure you also wash your hands with your, whatever you've, you know, if you've used your hands, uh, you must wash your hands. Uh, safe sex is clearly important. Uh, and so is protecting yourselves from unplanned pregnancy, which you don't mention. So I think you also need to consider birth control, uh, since yes, as much as a lot of people think that is not true. Yes, you can get pregnant the very first time you have sex. That is one of those myths out there that some young people have that, uh, oh, I can't get, can't get pregnant the first time around. Yes, you can. So worry less about the STI with when you're two virgins, worry more about, um, you know, getting pregnant and having an unwanted pregnancy coming up. 
we'll continue our uh, our discussion. It won't be long, but I just want to ask these guys: uh, Is uh, TV in the bedroom good for your love life? or not? That'll be the first question we ask of Mallory and Mark of our Baby Boomer panel. safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. The Bee Gees. Did anybody see the Bee Gees biography? Uh, brought me back. Oh boy. Uh, it's our baby boomer panel, which means my favorite music all evening long. Not that my producers don't pick good music. They generally do, but this really kind of brings me back. Mallory is with us. She is 59, Mark 61. Mallory, you're almost 60. I know. <laughs> this, is your, me. this is your big year. April, Mallory will be 60. Mark, when do you turn 62? March. Oh, okay. So we're all coming up to birthdays then. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be 57 in March. Mark's going to be 62. Mallory's going to be 60. We're all getting a little older. This is your baby boomer panel. Uh, we are on the younger side of baby boomers. It ends at people born in 1964. That was the year I was born. So, of course, it goes much older. So if you are a baby boomer, we would certainly love to hear from you. So, you know, every every week I kind of I get emails from people asking me, oh, ask the baby boomer panel about this. Oh, ask them about this. So I have a few things that uh, people have asked me to ask you guys. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, there was a big discussion. Natasha Hall had it. We had it last night. A TV in the bedroom. You know, the, people say, oh, yeah, the TV in the bedroom destroys love lives or sex lives or what have you. I don't happen to think that, but I want to know what you guys think about that. Mallory, TV in the uh, bedroom or not? Sure. Why not? Does it stop you from having sex? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it no. gets my husband to stay up late to watch Saturday Night Live with me. So, okay, so extra that's cuddling, good. you know? Right. That's right. The cuddling in bed while watching a movie. Yeah. I like it. That's one of my favorite activities to do also. So it's not a, yeah. What about you, Mark? I got a TV in just about every room. <laughs> <laughs> and does it stop you from being sexual with your partner? Never. No? Never. Okay. See, there you go. So what's the, why do, I don't know, why do some experts say get the TV out? I think if you, if you forego sex because you're watching TV, that's where the problem lies. So if you have a partner that keeps wanting to watch TV instead of engaging in some sexual activity and does this regularly, then I give you permission to take that TV out of the bedroom. Well, but I can it, tell you that TV in a bedroom got me in trouble once. And in what sense? During, and it was during a hockey game. We were going at it, and I can hear the TV in the back room, and the Canadian scored. Oh, and no. And I stopped, and she goes, what are you doing? And stupid me, I said, I want to see the replay. <laughs> so she, you weren't completely there. So the TV was in the background. You're half listening. 
not wanting to miss the game. Yeah, that probably didn't go over too well with your well, partner. Well, the next words out of your mouth were "get off." <laughs> right, right. Well, oh, you see, if, yeah, I can see that happening though, right? It's like, <laughs> wait a second, you're not really here, right? Uh, so if if the TV is used in that respect, I don't think that's cool, right? That that's. You're not, it's like, oh, you don't matter that much. I get to watch a little TV at the same time. It's like, oh, humdrum, you know, you don't want your partner to feel that way. I don't care. (laughs) Then you wait till the damn game is over and then uh, get frisky, you know, like women want to feel like the attention is all on them. There you go. During sex. Bingo. Uh, and, and let us know what you think uh, about this at 514-800. So the three of us here feel TV in the bedroom is has not impeded, impinged on our sex lives at all. That doesn't mean it can't and it doesn't for some people, but hey, we can have a discussion about why does it. Uh, so let's talk about sex in general during the pandemic. So there's a lot of talk about People, uh, either their se- some people say their sex life have has improved because they spend more time together. Uh, some people say it has gone down because the anxiety and the stress and a lot of worries about it all has just uh, reduced their libido. And some have said it's just staying, uh, it just stayed the same. So, um, wondering if uh, for for either of you, if you've noticed any major changes. I know, uh, Mark, you're pretty single, so I, I, I imagine it might have impinged a little bit. It, it cramped might the pandemic might have cramped your style in that way. <laughs> to say the least. Okay, so you're having less sex than you would normally, is what you're telling us. Exactly. Right, uh, Mallory, as somebody who is married, although um, your husband works outside of the house, so. You, your, your your life hasn't changed that drastically because you work from home, but he works outside of the home. Right. But um, he usually has gigs on the weekend, you know, where he goes to play because he plays with a band. So less gigs, more time for sex. <laughs> so you've had more sex is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because we are always home. There's nowhere to go. So. Right. And weekends. Well. Right. And if he was doing gigs on the weekends and getting home really late, then the that kind of puts a, a damper on things well, since the weekends it. are like the, the relaxing times. That's it. You know, if we're right. out at night, you know, and getting home late, yeah, the chances are sex is not going to happen. But if we're home all night, you could only watch TV for so long. And <laughs> so more sex. <laughs> right. Um, I have to say for me, probably more simply because I have more time to visually see my husband. We're in the same place at the same time, far more. We used to have very different uh, schedules, sleeping at different times and and what have you. So for the at least the beginning of lockdown and he he wasn't he couldn't work. He was furloughed. So there, that was fine. Now things have changed a little bit. But yeah, I think for for people and again, there were studies done looking at the um, how relationships have fared during this. And they found that couples who were doing okay before the pandemic, they the pandemic didn't make things worse for them. And I'm talking about just general, but couples who are suffering already, they've just suffered more, unfortunately. But that's understandable, I think. I I'm understand. so jealous. You're what? You're so, jealous, so jealous of what? Of what? <laughs> of, of people having partners? Well, 
Well, that is an advantage when you have a a partner. I like I feel for people who are single and who can't socialize and who can't go out and meet new people. And you know, certainly, it you have to choose your bubble of people you want to sleep with so that you're not you don't want to catch you know COVID. Forget catching other STIs. Nobody wants to catch COVID in all of this for sure. So another person asked me, how would us older people have coped as young adults with a pandemic? If this had happened to us when we were 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever, what would have, what would it have been like for us, Mallory? Oh, so as a young adult, you know, there was no cell phone. So it was only the house phone. Right. So if you were going to be stuck in a house and just talking on the phone with people, you know, you had to, you know, you want to talk on the phone, your mother wants to talk on the phone, your sister wants to talk on the phone, you know, there wouldn't have been that much communication. And it was all about going out and going out right. and going out partying and, and everything. So I think it would have been a lot harder. No Netflix, no cell phones, no internet. There, I mean, I think it would have been a lot harder. We had very few channels. <laughs> right. We had like we four had, channels, right. maybe five. There's only only so much Pong you can play. Remember Pong? Right. <laughs> okay. um, no, and like I know. said, no cell phones. So, I mean, I still remember just being a young adult and living at home. And I'm on the phone, you know, talking to my friend and somebody else like, well, my turn to have the phone. Well, no. Well, no, my turn. And they hang up on you, you know. Right. So imagine now you have with all your siblings, you're all home everybody's home during the right. pandemic. So what would, yeah, it would have been, uh, writing a lot of letters been... probably. Cause we did write letters. Yes, we did. Going away, uh, going away up North in the summer and writing letters to my friends. Right. That would have been what we would have probably spent time doing. We, I don't even know how we would have done schooling. You know, now it's like, I don't think young people today realize the, and now we really sound old, but the, all of these advances that have made life easier. Yes, there's disadvantages to all these things, but it has made life and connection easier. Even though we might think, oh, all these things are making people not connect socially. They are, they are actually helping people connect in different ways. It's just different. Right. But uh, so, yeah, there's the young people today aren't suffering as much as we would have suffered had that happened. Exactly. Then. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you and I and our friends, you know, we every Monday we do our set by video chat now, whereas yeah. we used to go to a bar. So right. we still connect. We still get to talk and share our lives. And right. Stuff. Yeah. My, well, back then we had party lines. Do you remember the party lines? <laughs> no, you don't remember I didn't that? It, you didn't no. do those? They were no. lines that you could all join in. And I, I don't remember using them too often, but I remember they they existed back then. Mark, how do you think it would have been for you? I would have lost my mind. Uh, I was not much of a phone person, but I was a very sports-minded teenager. I was always outside playing hockey, baseball, football. I just right. would have lost it for sure. I would have lost it. Well, at least you could still go out. You just can't do the, the, the team stuff. So if you have anything you want to add to uh, our discussion tonight, 514-800. Coming up, though, we're going to talk about something that might be a, that's a little uh, deeper and a, a lot more serious. And that is, um, what do you do when 
you have a partner who suffers or struggles with a mental health issue and you can't take it anymore and you want to break up, like when is it a good time to break up and is it bad to break up with someone because of their mental health issues? So we're going to pick that apart a little bit because the answer is not so simple. Uh, but I want to hear some uh, some people's thoughts. Plus, of course, we have a stupid sex story submitted by one of our listeners that I want to share with you as well. This is our Baby Boomer panel. We have Mallory and Mark with us, and you can join us too at and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. How fun is hearing all this old music. Uh, this is our Baby Boomer panel. We have uh, with us Mark, who is 61, almost 62, Mallory, 59, almost 60, and myself, almost 57, all within two months. In the next couple of months, we all turn a whole other year older. Uh, let me share our stupid sex story of the night. This is, uh, I should really call them the embarrassing sex stories now that people are sending them in and it's their own stories. Uh, so here, I have a stupid sex story for you. When I was a teenager, my boyfriend and I decided we were going to see Back to the Future at the drive-in. Remember drive-ins? We do. We're the baby boomer panel. That was it. It was a double feature. The second movie, I forget. There were not many cars there, maybe half full, and we parked and watched the movie. When Back to the Future finished, we got into a kissing session and ended up in the back seat. We had our fun and I needed to pee. On my way to the washroom, I saw my parents' car, but no one in it. I thought for sure they were at the concession stand inside. As I passed the stand on the way to the washroom, I did not see them. I thought, I guess I missed them. When I came out, I looked around more and could not find them inside. On uh, on my way back to the car, I made a detour to go to their car. The closer I got, the more sure I was it was my parents' car, but still did not make out if anyone was inside. I started going to, into my purse and got a pen and a paper to leave a note and put it on the windshield. I got to the backside window and lo and behold, there they were screwing at the drive-in in the back seat of the car with the window half open. <laughs> I love it. I, I think, right? I went back to my boyfriend and said nothing. The Sunday after we were going to visit my aunt, I got in the back seat of the car and we were and when we were on the highway, I just casually said, Dad, there is a stain on the seat. There really wasn't. I told him it looked like a small dried vanilla ice cream stain. <laughs> my parents just looked at each other. I leaned forward and put my index finger in my mouth and said, Nope, not as ice cream. My mom was tongue-tied and red faced. I asked them what they did Friday night and told them I was at a drive-in to watch Back to the Future. You should go see it. Or did you see it already? My mom asked what drive-in I was at. Mom, there's only one around here. It's the same one you and dad were at Friday night. My dad looked at my mom and just said, busted. Now I have something to tell Aunt Sharon when she asked me what I did this weekend. My parents were pretty cool and we laughed about it for many years. <laughs> that's I, that's a that's I think the best story we've had so far. I love it. That Isn't is that great? great? 
<laughs> Just to show you, yes, your parents had sex. And guess what? Your grandparents had sex too. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're young and you think your parents don't, you ask most young people, no, 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 my parents, uh, they just had sex three times just for us three, you know? <laughs> um, I have a text here that says, FYI, being born in 1964 makes you a dragon lady. I love that. Just like myself in Oriental astrology, Lori, and accordingly the time period this I did not know, between 2021 and 2027 is supposed to be generally very favorable for you, as well as any of both your personal and professional undertakings. How's that for something psychologically hopeful to believe in and look forward to following such socially trying times? Well, that's good news. I'm happy. <laughs> I'll be forever known as the dragon lady now. That's me. My husband might agree. Rawr. I breathe fire. <laughs> oh, man. All right. On to a serious, more serious topic with uh, Mallory and Mark, our baby boomer panel. And of course, you guys, if you want to weigh in at 514-800. So I was reading an article about um, the headline was, is it okay to break up with someone struggling with mental health? I read that and I went, Ugh! right? It's like, oh, uh, obviously, in my estimation and many people, mental illness alone is no excuse to break up with someone. All right. A lot of people have mental health conditions. They're perfectly able to enjoy long lasting, fulfilling, happy relationships. Just because someone is going through a, a period of depression or anxiety or whatever, doesn't mean you write them off. Like, no, uh, just having a condition in and of itself is not a reason to break up with somebody. I think most people would agree. Would you agree with this panel? Mallory. Uh, Mallory. Yes. Okay. You can't and, just break up just because of that. I mean, it, it, right. if, if you did, you know, even a little bit care about this person, you can't do that to them. You could help them. You can help them seek help from therapy, yeah. reading a book, talking about it, but it, you can't just be, oh, man, they have anxiety. Never mind. I'm out of here. Right. I don't want to do deal that. with that person's OCD, for example, or anxiety, yeah. or that puts a crimp in my in my lifestyle somehow. When you when you marry somebody or when you commit to somebody, there's better or worse, yes, but there are uh, limitations to it, I have to say, because if you are in an unhealthy relationship, you can have a, a mental illness of any kind and be in a healthy relationship. The two don't, you know, they don't have to cause, one doesn't cause the other. But in an unhealthy relationship where your safety is being compromised, even though you know that uh, the actions of your partner may be due to mental um, illness symptoms, but they you it puts you in danger or there's violence or there's physical violence or verbal violence or any kind of violence where that person is unable to control their emotions, where they do not have remorse for, or they don't have empathy for their actions on you, then yes, you, you can leave that kind of yeah, person. That's a different story. Right. But, it, but again, maybe due to a mental illness, there's a limit to what a, uh, a partner should um, should take really and, and sh you know have to suffer through as as well, even though 
you may say to yourself, okay, it's because my partner's mentally ill. This is why all this is happening, but absolutely not. Like one person writes, only if they are using their condition to mistreat you, like narcissistic personality disorder. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So your partner has a narcissistic personality right. disorder. Right. You might recognize it as a, yes, okay, that's a mental illness, but it's also behavior that's very damaging to you. Um, and that is not okay and is never okay. So Absolutely. I don't know, Mark, Mark, what do you think? Well, as a single guy, I wouldn't let myself get uh, romantically involved with somebody who has mental issues, but I certainly would not push them away as a friend. I would help them. But if I was involved with somebody who developed a mental health issue, um, I'm certainly not going to abandon them. Certainly not. Absolutely not. Uh, and if their behavior was such that it was hurtful to you? I don't care. I can take a lot. So you so would... As, so long, so long as my, so long as my, uh, my health, I should say my life is not in danger. Like if she's uh, become psychotic and starts carrying around knives... That's mm -hmm. a different story. But uh, other than that, I mean, I can take a lot. You know, I, you know, you have to accept a certain amount from someone that you truly care about. You know, you're but the, everyone's got their limit. And my, uh, my limit's pretty high, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that's the best thing. I, I, I'm not too happy to hear that, I have to tell you. Like, because it, it might mean that you might take, you might have a tolerance to receive more abuse than you should take. Probably. But I mean, you know, if I could, but if I really care about the person and uh, and uh, and I want to help them along, you know, you have to put up with with a certain amount so they can get the help they need. Yeah, I, I guess I'm saying you don't really have to put up with a lot. Like if if you discovered they had a narcissistic personality disorder, oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and they became abusive, even. Uh, not always, but they were abusive. Why would you put yourself through that? Why would you excuse that and say, if, "But I love you"? If they wouldn't, if they if they're not improving themselves and not getting help, right? If they're, they're not, not allowing, getting help, right? Exactly. Okay, then that's a totally different story. But if they are getting help and they're not improving, and in fact they're getting worse, then I have to um, okay. take a. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes you have, we have to save ourselves and we can continue this discussion. I've got a couple of texts here, especially when it comes to narcissistic personalities, which I think, you know, in a lot of abusive situations, that's what we end up seeing. with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. This is our baby boomer panel. We have Mallory 59, Mark 61. And yes, somebody <laughs> said I, I said that I was almost 67. No, 57. I don't think I ever said the word 67. Maybe you misheard, but if I misspoke, then there it is. I almost 57. Uh, so we were talking about um, if a partner uh, is struggling with a mental health issue, how much do we need to tolerate? How much do we have to suck it up simply because they are uh, they are mentally ill? And part of it is how does it impact 
your life. And it's like, yes, it'll be difficult. I'm not saying it's, it's difficult for people who live with a partner who is suffering from depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder or what have you. I think Mark brought it up about the treatment. If they're in treatment and they're doing things to help themselves and what have you, it does uh, make a difference. It makes it easier to have uh, compassion for that person, especially if they're being somewhat hurtful uh, to you or it's impinging on your life. But nowhere should our safety be compromised. That is very, um, very different. When you're in an abusive situation, that's a whole other issue. A text writes in, I had a boyfriend who used his depression as an excuse. He was a narcissistic psychopath. That's a those are very strong words. <laughs> I don't know what he did to show that he was a narcissistic psychopath, um, but I realized a couple of years into the um, relationship. Obviously, if for years you have a partner who says, sorry, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do that because I'm depressed and doesn't get help and doesn't want to help uh, him or herself, that puts you in a, in a difficult uh, situation, but also... You also have to think of yourself and uh, Mark, like you talked about, you would, you could handle a lot, but you also have to recognize that you sacrifice a lot and you have to, you know, how much do you, should we be sacrificing? I think is, is often the, the question. So I guess it all depends on your tolerance level. Well, but should it, like, should we tolerate bad behavior uh, on a continuous basis? And like that raises that question for me, you know, like I get it. You love somebody. Yes. You, you help, you try to help them through it. You, uh, hopefully they get connected with help. But if you have a partner who's belligerent, doesn't want help and is refusing any of that, then, um, it has to be, you know, it, it, it's a different situation. Then it's time to go. <laughs> Well, that's it. You got to think about that, right? That it could Absolutely. be, it, it could be time to go. Hmm. Well, in my past relationship with a narcissist, mm -hmm. um, and I stayed a very long time for my kids, it made me ill. It literally made me ill. I got physically migraines, Ill. physically ill. I had migraines. I had so many stomach issues. I was on so much medication. I had stopped eating at one point. I mean, it just affected me so much having to suck it up. You know, and right. once I left him, that all disappeared. Isn't that crazy it's that all, all the physical symptoms disappeared just all like disappeared. that? Yeah, included my anxiety. <laughs> well, that well, that's it. So, like sometimes you have to realize, you have to look at all of that, right? You have to see, and I, I, it might have taken you quite a while. I, I think I remember, Mallory, like you had gone from for tests and tests and tests for all these things. And nobody could find anything. You know, until someone yeah. says, uh, your tumor is your husband, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. what's causing the, <laughs> I think even the doc, even the doctors are like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you got to finally get to that. Uh, all right. Moving on to a different topic here that I read an article on, uh, on Friday, experts have determined men who change diapers have a better relationship with their wife in the bedroom. So uh, we come from a generation when those guys might've been, uh, the guys we married might've been born to parents that were more traditional. So we have to, you know, maybe it's different in, in this day and age, but Mark, you have kids. Uh, how many diapers did you change? Countless, 
countless. Okay, so you were good. You were good with that. Yeah, so long as they were pampers and not cloth. My wife used to use cloth, and I said, no, no, no. Before you leave, you put pampers on. <laughs> You're right. I'll change them, but only if I could just throw them away. I don't want to have to dump anything or do exactly. anything. Yeah, I, I was fortunate. My husband loved changing diapers. In other, he loved the moments where the the baby was on the changing table. It was his like private time to pl like, you know, tickle and play. And that was one of his favorite things was to change diapers. So that made me happy. Not that I minded, but uh, it was nice to have somebody uh, to do that with. So um, Mallory, what about you with you had uh Oh, no, kids. I mean, uh, the ex uh, was a diaper changer, you know. I don't think he cherished the moment like uh, your husband did, <laughs> you know. To him, it was, you know, a chore Do that I have had to, to be done. But I think right. this men who change diapers have, you know, better sex life. It's the same thing that men that empty dishwashers. And, uh, yeah, You know, you it's the same thing, help out. Men that help out will be more favorable to their partners. Right. And not just that. I think when they, when they talk about the diapers, why that headline, it's really because w when you have babies, the more you help the, your frazzled mom and the wife of your, you know, the wife, you are letting her have some recoup time, right? Like where she can recoup, where she can rest, where, uh, and that is what frees her up a little bit more to be, um, more sexual. Uh, let's see a couple of uh, texts here. Whatever happens till death do us part. So what, so I want to understand this because this is almost like the concept that I have to love my partner unconditionally, which isn't a healthy view by the way, because that means whatever your partner does to you or however badly they treat you, you need to continue to love them. There's no conditions on the love. That isn't, unconditional love only exists between a parent and a child. It does not exist between uh, uh, couples. You can't be looking for that unconditional love because essentially that means it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you treat me, I'm still gonna be there. Why would you do that? That isn't healthy, That that's just not healthy. Any thoughts on that? I Anybody? agree. I totally agree with <laughs> <Okay>. you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, this Absolutely. is our, our baby boomer panel. Wow, we're all in agreement tonight. Uh, Mallory, 59, Mark, 61, and myself, uh, 56 for now, next few weeks anyway. Uh, I was the master at changing diapers. I could do it in 30 seconds and never got peed on. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I don't, this is a question from Ontario. Maybe you guys have an answer for this. I'll try and answer it. Dear Dr. Lori, thank you ever so much for your wise counsel. You have demystified many issues over the years. Lately, my husband of 25 years, so married 25 years, has taken a keen interest in my going number one and two in the bathroom as to color, quantity, odor, frequency, etc. I'm ashamed to talk to anybody about this. What would bring on such unusual interest on his part? Um, I wish I knew what that was about. Um, is that boredom uh, through the in, in the pandemic? Is that boredom? Yeah. Why do you need to know what color it is? How much I'm, you know, do you want me to take a picture of it? Like, is it, have you asked him, like, is this something that excites you? Is this 
Like ask him, he's the only one who knows his brain, right? And what's going on in his mind. Like, why are you concerned with this? Are you worried about my nutrition? Like, do you, are you worried about my health that I'm pooping regularly and healthily? Uh, are you, you know, like if I ask my husband, how's your, you know, how are you urinating? It, it, how are you doing? It would be because I'd be worried about his prostate, you know, like I, I'd want to know, I'd be keeping tracks and like, okay, maybe your prostate's growing. Like maybe you got to check this out or something. So this is, um, yeah, this is, you know, so psychologists say during the pandemic, you should take up a hobby. Why he picked that one, I'll never know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, as to unconditional love, Texter writes, unconditional love between dog and owner too. That is true. You want unconditional love, you get yourself a pet, not just a dog, a cat. cat. You, Yeah, with, uh, Mallory and I both have cats, although I'm a dog person, but I do have a cat who adopted me. I didn't even adopt it, but uh, gives a lot of unconditional love, and, and that is absolutely there. Um, but between two adults, no. I'm, no, that's an old fairy tale concept of love that does not fly on that note on that note guys thank you so much uh, mallory mark if uh, and and mark our passion poet keep writing those poems i know sometimes you get a little heat for them uh but i know you as you said i can take it such a man i can take it he can take the heat uh so but most people love him so keep them coming okay don't let that uh, dissuade you in any way. Mallory, thank you so much as always. And thanks for always being there as a friend as well. So thank you. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Thank you. All right. You take care now. Uh, thanks to all of you for sharing uh, your precious time with us. And uh, thanks to our technical producer, Chris Aikens, as well. You can connect with me uh, through my website. That's the easiest, drlaurie.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, where you can also find the podcast of all the past shows, information on my book, some of my TED Talks that you can listen to that you might find of interest. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.